I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The range is big, but ain't nothing about it a lie. It's high noon for Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app. It is just a feed of the things I'm reading and thinking all day every day t.me slash i'm your moderator if you want to join the discussion thread about all those things t.me slash i'm reasonable and if you think of it just as the instagram comments or twitter replies on the other social media apps well then it's just like having me on twitter and instagram you can also follow the podcast on gab i am occasionally on there but it's pretty much all Telegram. And it's just uh, at I'm your moderator on there. And then I'm very committed. This week, I will get the merch site back in shape. And that's at www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 103rd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, that is Hunter Biden. So congratulations, communists. Some of you are still totally impervious to reality, and somehow... Totally unable to experience shame. Now, to the ones on the way back from that, the redeemable communists, if you will, I'm here to extend you a wonderful, warm, high noon Monday welcome. I'm so glad that someone put this on with you in the room. And I'm so glad that in, I don't know, four or five minutes from now, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, maybe this guy's right. That will begin your journey back toward being an American. And just stick with it through the mocking and the ridicule. And me pointing out how all of the ideas that got shoved in your head through the most massive psychological operation the world has ever seen are very stupid and very evil, but good news, commie, there's a way back. All you got to do is understand how stupid and evil all those ideas are until the point at which you have that feeling in yourself where you're like, wait a second, I'm not embarrassed by thinking all these things I used to think. I'm actually angry at those people and I want to fight for truth. And once you have that feeling, you'll understand exactly what happened to me 
and why you haven't understood me for the last year. And that'll be a beautiful day for you. And I'll be happy that it happened to you, but really, the beauty of the day is yours. So let's get right to it with a global communist freakout. So let me ask you Thank just you. about you. this bizarre episode going on in your home state six months after the election. Republicans <laughs> in Arizona doing something. It's just downright bizarre. They brought in a guy who's an election liar to lead an audit of ballots for Maricopa County, even though the election board there is led by Republicans. They're using ultraviolet light and other methods to examine ballots, looking for evidence of voter fraud. Obviously, the same lie that fueled the January 6th attack on the Capitol. So that, of course, is communist Jake Tapper speaking to communist slash wife of traitor John McCain, Cindy McCain. And Jake Tapper seems to be very confused about what's happening in Arizona. But what I want you to focus on right there is that he called he called the guy running the audit an election liar, as if that's now an identifier of a sort of person. I mean, if it was, it would be Jake Tapper. But I want to focus on the second part of that even when he said this is the same lie that caused the very violent insurrection at the Capitol on the 6th. You know, the big lie. Now, let's remember what the big lie actually is. And here it is as Joseph Goebbels described it. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and thus by extension the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Now, I've discussed this before. I've discussed it for months. This is how the actual concept of the big lie was laid out by the guy that created the concept of the big lie. Second step in understanding what this language is and what it means. It is impossible for people, disparate, separate people, not one community of people, but people from every possible community all over the country, believing that the election was subject to manipulation, lawlessness, and outright fraud, and wanting to have that election fully forensically audited. It is literally impossible for the big lie, as Goebbels describes it, to be ascribed to people who think that the election was a fraud. Why? Well, because we do not have the power of the state. We don't have the political power, the economic power, or the military power to be able to enforce our view and suppress the dissent of the people. 
every institution of the old guard puts forward the idea that not only was the election perfect and flawless, but that we are evil for thinking otherwise. And it's our dissent that must be suppressed. It's our thoughts, our political speech that must be censored. It's us who they don't want coming together in communities of people in person so that they can talk amongst themselves and realize, oh, wow, actually no one agrees that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. Sure, you'll find people that will avoid the conversation completely. But there's no one out there who expresses this degree of certainty that Jake Tapper has. And if they do, they can be disregarded immediately. And you can have the conversation with them and overturn their confidence in their view immediately. Because there's nothing behind it. And ultimately, they know that. So it's impossible that the big lie has anything to do with us saying that there was rampant election fraud and that there's overwhelming evidence of all of it. They haven't seen the evidence. That's why they don't think we're right. Without censorship, there is no way that anyone would believe this election is legitimate, except for the craziest people in our country, the ones currently in control of the old guard institutions and all the useful idiots across tech, media, academia, and entertainment. The big lie requires force to be exerted on the people. They want to make the truth too costly to know Because it's too costly for them if everyone knows it. That is exactly what Goebbels described. Okay? And we can remember that he was the bad guy. So all of these people have just tried to use the brand recognition of Nazi to continue to call everyone that disagrees with them Nazis. And that narrative became pretty widespread across communist media and culture. Which is why everyone's like, oh yeah, the Trump supporters are doing the same thing that the Nazis were doing. Hey, commie, what were the Nazis doing? Well, they were telling the big lie. Oh, explain to me. What the big lie is, commie. And that's where your conversation will end. Because they can't explain it. And if they can explain it and still want to say that the big lie exists on our side, then that person is a liar. And more than likely, someone who will turn you into the brown shirts when they come knocking. So stay away from those people if you're smart. If the communist you're talking to is redeemable, 
and you explain to them what the big lie is, they might have a moment of understanding where they're like, wait, 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 that's what it is? I thought it was just like a really powerful lie that turns everyone into Nazis. Okay, Kami. I know that's what you think. I also know why you think it. And I'm sorry that they're still doing that to you. But it's your fault because you are disconnected to reality and you disregarded everyone who tried to tell you the truth. Now, the reason I bring all this up today is due to a statement from one Donald Trump, president of the United States of America. And you gotta love when he just goes for brevity. So here is the release from the desk of the president today. The fraudulent presidential election of 2020 will be from this day forth known as the big lie. Wonderful. If I was the sort of guy that used sound effects on my podcast, I would have put in a bunch of cheering right there from like a massive crowd. Because this is exactly what we want. Now, I don't know if anything's going to come out today. But I do know that Donald Trump is flipping their narrative around on their heads and there's nothing they can do about it. Once again, because they're liars. There are really two realities playing out right now in the minds of Americans. And perhaps there's a third for all the redeemable communists who are trying to figure out where in their lives they went wrong. That's wonderful that they're doing that. So maybe there is a third reality. But that reality is like (laughs) forcing mental collapse and panic right now. And don't worry, redeemable commie, you will get through it. Everything's going to be just fine. And the truth is no one on our side is even mad at you. We all understand how you got there. You just have to take moral responsibility for having been there this long. Okay? But one of these realities is completely false. The other one, obviously, is completely true. And we watch it happen in front of our eyes every day. We don't need someone on the television to tell us what's okay to think or how to reframe this view so that it doesn't conflict with our false reality. Because that's ultimately what the media and social media exist to do. All that will be required for some people to get on board with this statement by him is an open-mindedness about the election and taking 30 seconds to read that statement by Goebbels. That's it. These are simple, simple realities. And the big lie is not a difficult concept. It actually doesn't need much more explaining than what Goebbels gave. Anyone who reads that and thinks about it actually thinks about it, I'm saying. Not thinks of ways to try to shut down whoever shows it to them by being like, yeah, but everybody knows that Trump is a Nazi. Okay, Kami. Any thought about that statement proves that it is exactly the people like Jake Tapper who are perpetuating the big lie. And Donald Trump has finally called it what it is. Now, this makes me think of last year 
when the COVID thing first started happening and what actually caused me to begin not only just being open to Trump and being anti-Democrat and anti-media, but becoming someone who actually supports Trump and is proud to wear a Keep America Great hat. I was studying COVID statistics all day long, every day, right? All of a sudden, my job's done. My industry is just closed down by Gavin Newsom. I mean, the one where I make the bulk of my money. And I have all this time. And I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Because everything seems like a lie. You know, like all the policies were so inconsistent. They didn't make any sense. Lockdowns don't make any sense. And even beyond that, I became convinced of the obvious truth that these people simply don't care about continuing society. They want to do two things. They want to stop death completely, or at least make people think that that is a possibility if they just follow all the rules. And they want to reorder society in their image because they think they're smarter than everyone else. And so all of their actions led in that direction. Even though the data and the science led in the opposite direction. And any view that accounts for the suffering imposed on the people as a consequence of their response would tell you immediately how wrong and immoral the response was. And then you watch the media and social media hew to that position exactly and try to stifle speech of anyone contesting that position. They censored the position because it's true. The media made a choice to view a pandemic through the lens of whether or not their coverage, the way they covered it, was helping or hurting Donald Trump. That's not how to cover a pandemic. That's not how to responsibly inform a society. That's not hard to see. And so through me doing all of that work and listening to Donald Trump every day for his press conferences, I started noticing that the things that the people in my community, the people that were looking at information the way I was on the internet, the things we were saying, Trump would start saying those same things in a couple of weeks or sometimes at the same time. And I'm not saying that he was behind at all. I'm just saying I knew because he was saying these things that I'd researched that he was telling the truth. And once you realize Donald Trump is telling the truth, I mean, listen, despite when he might misspeak, okay, that's not relevant. Joe Biden can't even think in complete sentences. And every word out of his mouth is a lie, a provable, factual lie, and almost always a direct contradiction of something else he'd said. And oftentimes he finds a way to contradict himself while both statements are lies, which is extremely impressive. But once you realize Donald Trump is telling the truth, everything else changes. Because you have to accept that 
your construction of his character, whether it was given to you by media or you came to it yourself in as much as that's possible. That's wrong. And so you misjudge this person. And now you owe it to not only that person, but everyone else associated with that person in your mind. You owe it to them to listen to them. And I think we're going to have a lot of that this week. The president doesn't just come out and say something like this without understanding how the people will respond and without understanding that people are ready for it. They are a hundred percent. People are sick of this. And let's talk just for a moment about the constant references to what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. Now, I'm not going to go step by step through all of the inconsistencies, problems and outright lies in the media's interpretation of the very deadly insurrection. But if you follow this podcast or you follow actual news, you will know that their entire narrative about it is a lie, right? John Sullivan, Antifa, he's the one who filmed Ashley Babbitt getting shot. His footage was used in the sham impeachment, number two. Brian Sicknick wasn't killed with a fire extinguisher. All those things. Brian Sicknick wasn't killed, period. He died. Or I should say he wasn't killed by anyone at the very deadly insurrection. He was killed by uniparty politics. But the story about the very deadly insurrection by itself is completely false. And we're going to find out more and more and more. And everyone in the world is going to realize that that story is completely false. Now, why would you constantly associate questioning the validity of an election with a staged very deadly insurrection? Well, because what else do you have? How else can you make it too dangerous for someone to talk about? That's it. You have to blame them. You have to saddle them with the responsibility of something for which they bear no responsibility. The election was a fraud. Everyone at the Capitol peacefully protesting had a right to be there. They were righteous in being there. And they may have helped save the country, communists. But if there actually was even this direct line like they pretend, then why hasn't there been any violence in the four months since from people who are repeating the big lie? Has anyone in our community, has anyone like me ever suggested violence as a response to any of this? Absolutely not. What I support is people learning the truth and people finding the courage in themselves to stand up and tell the truth. That's all you got to do. We don't need to bring battles and guns and civil wars and riots into this. That's what they do. That <laughs> Telling Americans that Black Lives Matter were mostly peaceful protests and that Antifa is an idea, that's a big lie. 
That is a state enforced lie that is necessary to their narrative. Again, there is no light between the Democrat Communist Party and Nazi Germany. They are one and the same. And you're welcome to think that that's hyperbolic. But think about all the Democrat communist narratives in the last five years and how they've been exactly opposite of the truth and then realize that one of those narratives was that people on our side are Nazis. Okay? So they labeled us Nazis and we are concerned about calling them Nazis because it's rude. Right? Or it sounds hyperbolic. Okay? When would you like me to stop listing the similarities between Nazi Germany, real Nazi Germany, and what they're doing right now? And I'll continue in a bit in talking about one very particular way that they are exactly like Nazi Germany. But first, I want to cover some stuff that happened end of last week and over the weekend. So I was thinking about this um, retraction that Washington Post put up about their story on Rudy Giuliani having received a defensive briefing from the FBI that he was a potential unwitting Russian asset. Now, let's have a look. At this retraction, this is how The Hill reports it. The Post issued a correction on Saturday, saying it had removed assertions that Giuliani and OANN had received such warnings. Now, here is The Post's statement. An earlier version of this story, published Thursday, incorrectly reported that One American News was warned by the FBI that it was a target of a Russian influence operation. That version also said the FBI had provided a similar warning to Rudolph W. Giuliani, which he has since disputed. This version has been corrected to remove assertions that OAN and Giuliani received the warnings. And then the Hills reporting says. A spokesperson for the Post had no additional comment when reached by CNN. OK, so the Hill. Is relying on CNN contacting the Washington Post to see if they have additional comment. Why didn't this Hill reporter contact the Washington Post? This is how pathetic the media is right now. But that's not even my point of bringing this up. That's just how embarrassing these people actually are. Let's look at this second paragraph, though, right? So they have an earlier version of the story, and they're making this statement that the earlier version incorrectly reported. Did they update the earlier version? Sort of. They have the correction there at the top. The headline still reads, FBI was aware prominent Americans, including Giuliani, were targeted by Russian influence operation. So now what they're saying is they originally made up the idea that Rudy had been given a defensive briefing which is basically the FBI going to him and saying, hey, Rudy, we have evidence that Russia is trying to 
compromise you in some way. We just want you to know so that you can be careful about X, Y, Z. And here's the evidence, Rudy, because we're trying to help you. That's what a defensive briefing is. So the Washington Post originally reported that Rudy had been given one of those. They've corrected the reporting about Rudy being given one of those. But they have left the headline here that says the FBI was aware. So now what they are telling us is that the FBI was aware of evidence that Russia was trying to compromise Rudy and OANN for that matter, but didn't bother telling them. So this story about how responsible the FBI was and how guilty Rudy was is now, through their own idiocy, a story about how the FBI knew that the president's own lawyer was being compromised by Russia, but didn't bother taking that evidence to him. Which one of those stories does the Washington Post want to stick with? I, for one, am extremely confused about what they think they're doing here. It sure ain't journalism, and it's not even good propaganda. But again, these people are stupid. Okay? This is real-life stupidity. It doesn't matter if you go to college and you speak in smart people words at your job. That is not what makes you smart. Also, your affiliation with the Democrat Communist Party is not smart either. So the things you rely on for proving to everyone that you are smart are kind of overshadowed by an actual real-world staggering level of stupidity. But wait, 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 it gets worse. That's not the worst thing that Washington Post has going on in this article. Okay? Because let's focus in on the second half of this again. Okay? The half about Rudy. That version also said the FBI had provided a similar warning to Rudolph W. Giuliani which he has since disputed. This version has been corrected to remove assertions that OAN and Giuliani received warnings. Okay, so let's take OAN out of it. We're just going to focus on Giuliani. Now, in that paragraph, the Washington Post told its readers the reason for their retraction. Now, you might first think, oh, Well, yeah, they retracted it because it's not true. And you're right, but that's not the right thought to have. The right thought to have is they retracted it because it's not true based on Rudy Giuliani saying it's not true. So what do we have here? One option is the Washington Post fully relies on on Rudy Giuliani's honesty and integrity 
to correct their stories. Okay, that's one. One is that they're concerned about a defamation case when they don't have the evidence to back up the original claim. They know they're at risk of that because the implication of their story is that Rudy Giuliani, knowing that he was working with the Russians, still pursued the Ukraine Biden stuff. Got it? They are essentially accusing Rudy of conspiring with a foreign adversary to harm Joe Biden. And that's not what happened. And now they've had to retract the basis on which they said that. So Rudy has a great claim there, and I think he can prove actual malice as well. But what else does it say? It says that their unnamed source straight up may not exist. Okay? They also could just be using everybody knows that Rudy was a Russian agent because they told everybody that and have told everybody that for the last year and a half. But if they had an actual source, someone at the FBI who could actually legitimately tell them that that's what happened and they take Rudy Giuliani's word over that person, that would seem irresponsible. It would seem like that would be a case where the paper would say, we're including Rudy Giuliani's comments that this didn't happen, but we stand by our original reporting. That's what news organizations do. That's not what they're doing. When Rudy came out and said that he had no contact with the FBI and absolutely did not receive a defensive briefing, the Washington Post and the New York Times retracted their stories based on what Rudy was saying. They didn't go back to their source and get more evidence so that they could update the story and say, Rudy claims that he was given no defensive briefing, but here is the meeting. It happened on October 7th, 2019 or whatever, you know, they can't do that. Why? Because they don't have a source and because the defensive briefing didn't happen and they know it, which is why they have to go with Rudy. But again, these people are so stupid. They come out and in their correction, they only give Rudy's statement as a basis for the correction. They didn't think this thing through at all. Again, this is the joy of having your enemies be really, really stupid and having seemingly never read The Art of War since they clearly don't prioritize knowing anything about their enemy. All they ever had to do was find out if the enemy was actually stupid. And instead, they cloistered themselves 
into only like-minded people and then used their little conglomerate of power to enforce their views on everyone else and assume that everyone accepted them. And that regardless, even though there are some people that see through this, no one's going to ever listen to them because we're going to call them crazy. And that means that 60 or 70 percent of the country is going to call them crazy. Well, that doesn't work anymore, commies, because you're on the wrong side of that 70 percent. So what we have here is a news organization just trying to complete one simple goal, which is to delegitimize Rudy Giuliani in the eyes of the American public by whatever means necessary. And they fail in that goal so completely that they actually expose themselves as frauds, expose the fact that they had no source, expose the fact that Rudy didn't get a defensive briefing, and also leave up the fact that the FBI knew about it. And then the craziest part of that is, if the FBI actually did know about it, they're in trouble for not giving a defensive briefing. But of course, it never happened. So obviously, the FBI doesn't know about a Russian compromise that doesn't exist, which means that the Washington Post, through their own stupidity and incompetence, has screwed themselves and the FBI and made Rudy look like the target of political persecution. All right? So they have one simple goal. They fail that. And beyond failing that one goal, they accomplished three other goals for the enemy. Thank you, Washington Post. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. Thank you to whoever a vaxxed Jennifer Rubin gets to go around in a physical environment so that she has now spread and shed her stupidity and insanity onto everyone else at the Washington Post. Brilliant work, commies. Now, this weekend in Texas uh, on Saturday, there was a special election for the House, and the election resulted in a woman named Susan Wright having the highest vote total out of, I believe, 10 candidates. And she'll now enter a runoff election where the second place candidate was also a Republican. So it's going to be Republican against Republican, which is the opposite of what the Democrats always cheat their way to in California. The highest totaling Democrat came in third place with 13.4% of the vote. Now, Susan Wright was endorsed by Donald Trump. And that endorsement won her the day. And that's obvious. And he'll endorse her again in the runoff and she'll win that too. But a person who didn't win is the candidate that Adam Kinzinger chose. And that's Michael Wood. Michael Wood finished ninth. Adam Kinzinger's endorsement meant absolutely nothing. Donald Trump endorsed Susan Wright two days before the election, and she won. Look how that works. The Adam Kinzingers of the world, the Pete Myers, the Liz Cheneys, all these rhino communist traitors are getting their asses handed to them. That should be embarrassing, not only for Adam Kinzinger, 
but for all the Romneys, the Romneys who run the Dispatch magazine, for instance, the Romneys at the National Review, all of the media outlets who do whatever the Republican establishment tells them to do should be embarrassed and should understand that their time is up, man. Everyone has seen through it. The people on your team have seen through it, right? MAGA World does not trust the dispatch. They do not trust David French. They don't trust National Review. Why? Because they're liars. Because they didn't stand up for Trump. Because they pretended that election fraud didn't happen. Because they pretended that COVID is very, very dangerous and very, very deadly. They went along with Anthony Fauci. They pretend the vaccines are good. Ben Shapiro. There is no base for establishment Republicans. The people do not exist. There are no voters for you anymore, Adam Kinzinger. And at the point in the very near future, when election fraud is proven, there will be no future for you, Adam Kinzinger. You are a clown and everyone is laughing at you. Just don't go in public unless you want to get booed. is Mitt Romney's life now in front of the Utah delegates. There is no one left for Mitt Romney. Remember when he was confronted at the airport? And then on the plane, everyone sitting down was yelling, traitor, traitor, traitor. Mitt Romney ran for president in 2012. Now he can't show his face in public in his own state unless he is around other Romneys. No one likes a traitor, Mitt. And then he had the audacity to come up on stage and ask the crowd, like, aren't you embarrassed? Mitt Romney thinks he is so much better than all of the other people in that room that they should be embarrassed about telling him what they think of him. Hey, Mitt, you're a politician. The people get to tell you what they think always. That's what you signed up for, you traitor. I don't know if Mitt Romney thought he was appearing with Brooke Baldwin on CNN and that people would actually fawn over his very woke status. Oh, Mitt, you're the wokest Republican. I hope that you can lead the country someday. You're a unifier. 
You unify my liberal sensibility with the sensibility of the Romneys, who are also commies just like me. (laughs) Mitt Romney would unify about 40% of the country. The percentage of people who actually voted for Joe Biden. Mitt Romney could unify them, maybe. Except then you'd lose all the actual communists. So actually, yeah, Mitt Romney is probably even somehow less unifying than Joe Biden. Amazing. But the disdain he has for people expressing their opinions about Mitt as he goes up there and tells them he has all these problems with the former president's character flaws. Hey, Mitt, you're a traitor. No one has bigger character flaws than you do, friend. And now apparently Kevin McCarthy's being pressured once again to oust Liz Cheney from Republican leadership. And I'll tell you what, it's going to happen sooner or later. Meanwhile, Liz Cheney's pretending that she might run for president in 2024. Like, there's no amount of Halliburton money, Liz, that could get you within sniffing distance of the first primary. Honestly, who do these people think they are? Mitt Romney actually believes he's some sort of political royalty. And remember, his dad was a governor. Basically, no one has ever confronted Mitt in his life, which, by the way, is why he's such a spineless pussy. I have a feeling we aren't going to be seeing Mitt Romney in an uncontrolled public setting anytime soon. Maybe never again, honestly. But let's discuss what the Romneys and Obamis of the world have allowed to happen. Now, yesterday I was discussing with a friend of mine the release of 540 pages of FOIA'd public records that Judicial Watch put out at the end of last week showing that California's Secretary of State's office was clearly coordinating with social media companies to enforce their narrative and stifle dissent. And we were discussing how that relates to other issues currently, partly with the social media companies, but beyond that. And and we were talking about how it would be worth it to go through the 540 pages that were released because of this FOIA request. And so I sat down and started reading Judicial Watch's release of the information. And I figured I would take the small bites first. They had this link to all of the posts that had been scrapped. And so I checked that out and some are random tweets and I'm scrolling down. Some of them are from, you know, people with blue checks, people in media. And then on page 20 of this document, I see myself with my friend Siaka. And it was a post by the actress, uh, Samita Armstrong, who was on my podcast last fall. She's an old friend of mine from Los Angeles And she tagged a couple of other people that were with us. And the picture was of Siaka and I in front of the table that we set up in front of Erwan in Los Angeles to do a recall Gavin petition signing. And I think we probably got, you know, 50 or so signatures that day. It was good. It wasn't some resounding massive success, but we tried to do our part. And 
Samita had put up the post encouraging the recall of Gavin Newsom and someone or a group of people from the Secretary of State's office singled out that post and asked the social media companies to remove it. This one was specifically on Instagram. And so upon seeing that, I was like, oh, wow, this is incredible. Like I knew that I was getting shadow banned last year and I knew I was being targeted by the social media companies. It's not hard to realize when you're putting out factual information and every single bit of it has a fact check. And then your views all of a sudden out of nowhere drop by 30%, 40%. You know what's going on. And then ultimately, I was banned from Instagram. I put up a post and I, you know, I can't be sure which one finally did it. But I put up a post talking about how the new updated Instagram terms of service make it so that if you stay on their platform past December 20th, of 2021, then you automatically agree to their terms of service. And within that terms of service, you give up your right to join a class action lawsuit against the social media companies. And so when I see a thing like that, I think, oh, well, I guess they know what's coming. And so I put that out there and then my account was gone. Now, someone at Facebook actually had been a follower of mine And they were like, listen, I don't agree with you, but I don't think that you're saying anything out of bounds and I'm going to try to get you reinstated. And I was very thankful and he was able to do that. And so when I got my Instagram account back, the first thing I did was post a picture of Chairman Mao and call out every single Hollywood communist who didn't lift a finger to support the fact that a person they knew in real life was being targeted for censorship. The response I got most often was, Well, you shouldn't have been saying those things. And that's when I realize the person I'm talking to is a Nazi. And I make it a policy to try to keep communists as far away from my life as possible, especially the ones that are more than happy to see people censored. What we have here is the state coordinating with a corporation, one of the most powerful corporations in the world, by the way, one that has all of your information and tracks you and you know it, to take away my First Amendment rights. It's not just me, of course. People all over are having their civil rights stripped from them by government colluding with private entities. And ultimately, they always make the private entities enforce it so that they can say, oh, well, that's just what the private entity is doing. It's not us. We just advise them on what happens to be misinformation. And then they immediately take it down, no questions asked. But trust us, we know what misinformation is. Now, they were upset at the post I was in Because I believe it was a video. And in that video, I think that Siaka and I may have discussed the fact that California put everyone in their voter registry on the permanent mail-in ballot list. Which means that for every election in the future, you are designated as a person who should receive a mail-in ballot. 
And if they put everybody on that, well, then it's easy to tell the world, hey, everybody in California wants the permanent mail-in ballot. Look how many have put their names to it. Except that no one did that. And that's not some story people are making up. It's not a conspiracy theory. It happened to me. I looked at my voter registration. There's a box that says permanent mail-in voter. I had to unclick that box after having never clicked it in the first place because I don't believe in mail-in balloting and I don't want the mail-in ballot and I don't want mail-in ballots to exist. And that's not the same as absentee ballots. Settle down, commies. So at this point, my first thought is, <laughs> I'm pretty happy I closed down my Instagram before December 20th because I can't wait to join the class action lawsuit against these communists. But my second thought was, huh, I wonder what else is in this dump of now public Secretary of State emails. So I looked. Now, when you see one of these things and you see that it's 540 pages, it seems really daunting. But this one in particular, and many are, but this one in particular is very repetitive. There's a lot of the same information over and over and over and over and over. Okay. There's maybe 30 or 40 stories out of that entire thing and they repeat. But that's not to say that there's not plenty of new and interesting information there. Now, one of the interesting things is that former Secretary of State Alex Padilla, who was placed into the Senate to replace Kamala Harris by Gavin Newsom, set up an election cybersecurity division under the Secretary of State's office. Now, again, this is one of those misnomers intentionally that the Democrat Communist Party often uses to pretend that the thing that they're doing isn't actually bad. And I'll tell you what I mean. Now, election cybersecurity is extremely important. Guarding the technological infrastructure of our elections couldn't be more important. Now, on that side of it, they have a pretty bad definition of what that is since Iran accessed the voter registries and China flipped all the votes in coordination with a whole bunch of other countries. So they didn't do a very good job of election cybersecurity regardless. But at least that's what election cybersecurity is. Going online to see if people are saying things you don't like that you can reconstrue as a threat to a safe election. That's not election cybersecurity. That's censorship. How would election cybersecurity ever be enhanced if no one was out there to figure out what was wrong with it? Like, if you want systems to be self-correcting, then there has to be a method for criticizing those systems. And that's exactly what they're trying to prevent. And you can see it in the emails. Now, another thing to notice right off the bat when reading this stuff is that the people involved in all of these discussions genuinely are like millennial idiots. Okay. 
Just as I was talking about before, how stupid the people at the Washington Post are, these people in the California Secretary's, uh, Secretary of State's office are equally stupid. And you can see this by reading the emails. I mean, they don't speak to one another in a way different than you might see if you suddenly had emails from the employees of Refinery29. Like some little woke feminist blog. That's how these people talk to each other. And yeah, I've done business with those people. So I know what they talk like. But what you see when you actually get into the emails is an endless, constant, continually updated discussion about what the social media companies must take down for the benefit of the government and how easy the social media companies try to make it for them to report on any narratives that they don't like. Again, this isn't just about me posting or some random dude on Twitter posting. They are mentioning Congressman Mo Brooks. They have example after example of the news articles that come out each day that dispute the narrative that they're trying to enforce. In fact, each day, this group that they work with, whose biggest client, by the way, is the Biden campaign, they're called SD, SKD Knickerbocker. They supply a daily misinformation briefing. Okay? They compile all the stuff that they don't like and that harms their narrative, and they supply it to the California Secretary of State's office and to the social media companies. And then they rationalize it by continually saying that the information that they call misinformation because of its status as misinformation is thereby voter suppression because they say it will not make people want to come out and vote or it'll make people not want to trust that the elections are secure. But of course, the elections aren't secure and they knew that, which is why they made such an effort to censor all conversations about election insecurity. So here's an example. Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020 from Heather Wilson at SKD Knickerbocker. And it goes out to Sam Mahood, who's the communications director for the secretary of state. And then other people in that office, Paula Valley or Valle, maybe it is uh, Jenna Dressner, Emily Campbell from SKD Knickerbocker, Jason Rosenbaum from the same Zeke Sandoval from the same. And the subject is misinformation daily briefing nine two. here is today's disinformation monitoring report. Thanks. First section national. Here's the story that they need to take care of nationally. Nancy Pelosi's hair salon photo has received a lot of media attention and is inciting conversations for why voting in person should be safe, amplified by Trump's retweet. You got that? So they're concerned about Nancy Pelosi's hair salon photo. And by the way, it's not a photo. It's video. We had the whole thing. All right. She was really there. It's not disputed on whether or not it's true. She went to a hair salon that wasn't supposed to be open. She didn't have her mask on and she got caught. 
She tried to say she was set up. But that happened. And so to then want to stifle the conversation about whether or not voting is safe vis-a-vis COVID in light of the fact that the person saying everything is unsafe clearly doesn't believe it to be. That's an entirely relevant conversation to have. And look at the wording. It's inciting conversations for why voting should be safe. Well, you know who else incited conversations that voting should be safe prior to Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020? Anthony Fauci. He was out there in August of 2020 saying that if you could go run your errands, if you could go to a store, if you could go to a grocery store, if you can go to the pharmacy, then it should be okay to, to vote. It should be totally safe to vote. And obviously it was totally safe to vote. And I know I've said this a bunch of times, but it bears remembering. On the day of the election, November 3rd, the CDC released a statement that said it was okay to go out and vote in person, even if you are currently infected with COVID. Right? That's how safe it is to go vote in person. So not only is this example ridiculous, it actually goes against what the CDC and Anthony Fauci have said about the safety of voting in that election. Here are some more new conversations emerging about fake ballots being printed and sent through USPS to jam the system. Are we going to find out there are fake ballots? Yes, we will. And what is the harm they think that they're preventing right here? Because without the COVID narrative, which they don't have, there's really no reason why they should be emphasizing mail-in voting rather than in-person voting. And of course, they did this so that they could reduce the number of polling locations and instead house it all in these giant voting centers. And we've seen, like the State Farm Arena in Georgia, that those voting centers are where the fraud happens. Then they had some California-specific ones. New narrative that 2018 Orange County and California midterms were a test run for mail-in ballot fraud. What do you think we're going to find out about that one? Continuing conversations around California automatically changing Californians' voting status to mail-in voting and facilitating voter fraud through outdated roles. Again, check and check. Both of those are true. Gavin Newsom is being accused of promoting voter fraud. Gavin Newsom was promoting voter fraud. Among narratives we're tracking, ballot harvesting is picking up via USPS, voting in person, etc. Now, isn't that strange? Ballot harvesting is legal in California. One of the ways you can submit your ballot is by giving it to someone. Does that sound ridiculous? I agree. But if ballot harvesting is legal and ballot harvesting is good, which is the argument they make when trying to convince you it should be legal, even though it's a ridiculous policy, then why aren't they proud of ballot harvesting? In fact, why aren't their ad campaigns encouraging ballot harvesting? They're saying it's legal. They're saying it's good. So why aren't they encouraging it? That's odd, isn't it? 
It's almost like they want to hide this thing because they know it's so bad, even though they've pushed through the law to make it legal. Again, these people are stupid. They expose their motives all the time. And then beneath that, they give samples of articles that are going against these narratives. They show them right here. Sample coverage posted below. News and blogs. An article from The Hill. An article from Reuters. Conversations around Nancy Pelosi's hair salon video. Instagram post. Twitter post. Twitter post. Instagram post. All by just normal citizens. And so what they do is they filter this to the social media companies so the social media companies know all the stuff that needs to be taken down. And then they make it impossible for those articles to get out there. They either shadow ban them, they restrict the information flow, or they outright ban them. And then when it gets more extreme, they ban the actual user. And the crazy thing for me was, when they banned me, they actually also banned other people who follow me who had reposted what I posted. And now here's another email. This is from a woman named Janelle Watson at Facebook. Hi, all. As we are now in the final month before the presidential election, I wanted to send a friendly reminder that the fastest and most efficient way to report voting-related misinformation on Facebook or Instagram is by emailing the URL links to reports at content.facebook.com and copying me, Janelle, J-A-N-N-E-L-L-E, at Facebook at uh, FB.com. This is the dedicated channel that we set up exclusively for state election authorities and is managed 24 hours a day. Reminder, when you email the channel, please make sure you are using your approved government emails that have been whitelisted for the channel. Got it? In other parts of the email chains, they talk about onboarding for Twitter, for Facebook, for Google, making sure that all of the people in these two organizations, in the SSO and the NASS are all onboarded into these channels and then whitelisted, which means that when the email comes from them, it gets prioritized and their issues get seen to the fastest. For all other platform-related issues or community standards violations, please email us directly. For reference, you can find out voter fraud and voter interference policies in full below. Do not post content that falls into the following categories. Got it? So they have categories of content that no one is allowed to post. And here they are. Voter and or census fraud. Offers to buy or sell votes with cash or gifts. Statements that advocate, provide instructions, or show explicit intent to illegally participate in a voting or census process. So that's active voter or census fraud. And both of those are legitimate, by the way. They just didn't bother enforcing it when people from the Democrat Communist Party were doing it. Voter or census interference. Misrepresentation of the dates, locations, times, and methods for voting or voter registration or census participation. Misrepresentation of who can vote, qualifications for voting, whether a vote will be counted, and what information and or materials must be provided in order to vote. Misrepresentation of whether a candidate is running or not. Misrepresentation of who can participate in the census and what information or materials must be provided in order to participate. Calls for coordinated interference that would affect an individual's ability to participate in the census or an election. 
Now that can be read a whole lot of ways. Content stating that census or voting participation may or will result in law enforcement consequences. For example, arrest, deportation, imprisonment. Now you can see where they're really going with this, particularly with the census side. They don't want to make it clear to illegal immigrants that they should not be voting or registering for the census. Content claiming that the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement is at a voting location. Again, why would that be offensive to anyone if they were? Illegal immigrants are not allowed to vote. Sorry, illegals. No offense, but you're not Americans, so you can't vote. It's a pretty simple concept. There should be no argument about that issue. Except there is from the Democrat Communist Party. And now you can see why they want to censor those things. Misrepresentation of government involvement in the census, including that an individual's census information will be shared with another government agency. Explicit claims that people will be infected by COVID or another communicable disease if they participate in the voting process. Well, hey, None of us did that. That's literally you guys who said it wouldn't be safe. Hence, we need mail-in voting. Other misrepresentations related to voting in an official election or census participation may be subject to false news standards as referenced in Section 20. And I didn't check out Section 20. Apologies. But how much can that cover? Basically, anything that disputes their line. They are empowered to take it all down. Now, Twitter is really interesting because Twitter actually has a branch of Twitter called Twitter government. Okay. That's the part of Twitter that interacts with government. And it's right there. They capitalize the G in government and they use it multiple times. And it wouldn't even make grammatical sense for it to be anything other than that. That's crazy, okay? They also have these email chains where they're encouraging the employees of the Secretary of State's office to attend virtual webinars from the social media companies about how best to use their censorship tactics. In fact, the employees of the Secretary of State's office were encouraged to participate in webinars held by Mark Zuckerberg's Center for Tech and Civic Life. All right? That's the same organization where that Mark Zuckerberg used to spread over half a billion dollars around the country into communities to force out the Democrat Communist Party vote. He put that money specifically into Democrat communities. When people started calling him out for that, then he started shifting a little bit into more Republican areas. But that only happened once they were challenged. They were initially only giving this money to Democrat areas. And the money was to be used for things like hiring election judges, hiring employees that would go around the precinct being witnesses for people to sign their absentee ballots. All right. They were paying people to do this. Now, the witness is required in some states to sign up for an absentee ballot because they want to know that a real person exists. So you have someone out there 
who is willing to put their reputation on the record and potentially perjure themselves to say that they know this person is a real person and that they're not misrepresenting who they are. That's not something you can hire a stranger to do, but Facebook did it anyway. Mark Zuckerberg also paid for all of those ballot drop boxes that you see everywhere. Those ballot drop boxes are being banned or regulated in all sorts of states right now because everyone knows what they were used for. And then Facebook and Zuckerberg and the CTCL put in clawback provisions into these contracts. So they already empowered all these local communities to go out and spread this program to other local communities because they want to give you money. You see, they'll give out as much money as everyone needs to guarantee the results that Zuckerberg wants. People were literally financially incentivized to go spread the CTCL program to other places around cities, counties, states. Not making any of this up. This is what happened. You can see right now there were articles last week about how no one has any idea of where the $5 million that were given to Brad Raffensperger down in Georgia even went. Okay? But the clawback provision means that all these places that get this grant money from CTCL, if they don't come up with the results that Zuckerberg wants, Zuckerberg can take that money back. Now, if people have already accepted the money or already spent the money and they fail to achieve the results, well, how are they going to get that money to give it back? Are they just going to go to their local communities and say, hey, you know what? We owe Mark Zuckerberg $5 million. So, Sorry, taxpayers, y'all are on the hook for it. They can't do that, which is why they didn't do it, which is why they all certified fraud. But what we have here is the California Secretary of State's office being told how to run their censorship campaign by Facebook. That's crazy. And another thing to note here is to really understand the size of this bureaucracy. All right. So you got the secretary of state's office. You have this outside group called SKD Knickerbocker that's helping with this. They have this woman named Maria Benson at an organization called SSO. That is kind of the liaison for all of this. And then they have the national association of secretaries of state, which is a group that people can join if they want. And most of the communist secretaries of state, whether they be Democrats or Republicans, have done this. And this is exactly where you can find election fraud. Now, if you go to the National Association of Secretaries of State website, NASS.org, you can see them describe themselves. You'll go on to a page called Initiatives, and then you go to their Trusted Info hashtag. Okay, Trusted Info 2020. And you can see the partner organizations during the 2020 election cycle. We were proud to have the support of these organizations, Alliance for Securing Democracy, American Association of Political Consultants, Bipartisan Policy Center, Brennan Center for Justice. Ding, 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 ding. What's that? Brennan Center for Justice. Oh, my goodness. They're funded by the Open Societies Foundation.
Yeah, that's George Soros. He's paying this organization to help the secretaries of state across the nation coordinate with the social media companies to censor people. Where else is the Brennan Center for Justice involved? Well, they're involved in Arizona right now with Perkins Coie trying to shut down the Arizona audit. Where else are they involved? New Hampshire right now. Where else are they involved? All over the place. But you can keep going down this and find all sorts of these NGOs, these outside organizations that are just there to protect democracy. And beyond that, we were proud to have the support of these organizations also listed under here. Facebook, Google, MIT, Election Data and Science Lab. Is MIT trying to help with the New Hampshire audit? Yes, they are. But who else do we have? Oh, there's Twitter. Oh, wait, there's the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Well, that can't be good. And what you see here in black and white, well, it's all blue because they're links. But these are all the organizations that involved themselves with this operation. So again, what do you call it when government and the private sector are working together to take away people's basic human rights? Oh, yeah, that's fascism. Not like fascism, not on the road to fascism, not hyperbolically fascism. It's just fascism. But don't worry, the Center for Tech and Civic Life in all their charitable glory, actually made these webinars for the Secretary of State's office free. Isn't that sweet? Free webinars so that Mark Zuckerberg can help you steal an election. But they didn't all do that, you're thinking. Well, there's also an email from the comms director at the Secretary of State's office, Sam Mahood, telling everyone else on the email chain to go sign up for the free webinar. And now here's my favorite part. You've heard me mention Maria Benson and SSO. Okay. SSO is the state services organization. Go to their website about us. Here it is. The staff of state services organization welcomes you to the hall of states. Conveniently located just blocks from the U.S. Capitol and Union Station, the Hall of States is home to many Washington offices of the 50 states, U.S. territories, and associations of the state officials. SSO, which manages the 225,000 square feet of office space that make up the Hall of States, is proud to offer a broad range of services to more than 90 organizations. What a great organization, right? They sound like they do so much. Now, who do they work with? Well, on the front page of their website, they list the states at the bottom. Alaska, Arkansas, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Oregon, Utah, Virginia, Washington, Wisconsin. That's a lot of states. Most of those states are blue states. Some of them, like Alaska and North Carolina, are places that had considerable problems running their elections. Alaska and North Carolina 
for no discernible reason, failed to provide a timely result of their election, even though neither one was ever really considered a battleground. Why do you think that would happen? Well, if you understand that the November 3rd election was a gigantic landslide and the delay after the fact was due entirely to election fraud and them trying to figure out how to get enough of the votes and electoral college votes they needed to actually usurp the presidency, you would understand why states like North Carolina and Alaska were held back. It's not a coincidence that this organization works with them. So here's Maria Benson in another of her brilliant emails This is from Tuesday, April 30th, 2019. Good afternoon, communications directors. We all know that miss slash disinformation on social media does not disappear when we aren't running a major election. If you see something on a platform, please report it. In addition, please pass this on to your local election officials as well. I would also appreciate a heads up so I know what is going on. This helps us create a more national narrative. Got that? This woman, Maria Benson, is coordinating the National Association of Secretaries of State with SKD Knickerbocker, a group whose number one client is the Joe Biden campaign for president. And she's coordinating them all on how to censor individuals, organizations, representatives, and media from talking about the election in any way that harms their process, and they're doing it in collusion with the social media companies. This should horrify everyone. And it's strange to me that it doesn't. You can tell people this and they're like, oh, yeah, well, what do you think they're doing? Well, okay, Kami, but what the fuck are you talking about? Like if your house gets robbed and you tell somebody and their reaction is, well, yeah, you know, burglars exist. What? This is a problem that you should care about. It's not just okay for all this corruption to exist just because you assume that corruption exists. The reason corruption exists is because people like you let everyone get away with it without saying anything, Kami. In fact, this is the biggest problem with the Obamis and Romneys. They don't have a moral compass any longer because they've delegated their moral thinking elsewhere that they basically just accept Whatever evil comes their way, they're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, people are evil. (laughs) And you want us to feel ashamed of our views, commies, Obamis, Romneys, and Maskies? Good luck. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye.
Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!